Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Manchester United up the table and above Liverpool, who are finally beaten for the first time in a domestic game in 2022. United's first points of the season mean so much to Eric Den Haag and his staff and some revitalised players, including Marcus Rashford, who sped away to score a crucial second goal to add to a delightful effort from Jadon Sancho early on, which set a lot of the style for Manchester United. There were quite a few people crying when they heard that in the SCNZ offices this morning, and I don't know if the next man was one of them. Jacob Spoonley, how upset were you with that result today? Oh, I think it was disappointing, but it wasn't unexpected for a lot of Liverpool fans. We haven't started the season particularly well, and we definitely don't have the Rolls Royce that we had last year up and running yet. But I think it's done two things, that result this morning. One, hopefully, as James Milner was emphasising the point to Van Dijk after the first goal we did, it's emphasising to the parent group that they're not going to be given anything uh, this Premier League season. And secondly, away from the field, I think it's confirmed that there's a need for investment to build around Thiago in midfield, particularly in a creative sense, but also to provide an alternative for him because he simply can't go a season without missing large chunks. So I know that Jude Bellingham's um, waiting in the wings uh, might be a next season signing, but there seems to be a more pressing immediate issue that needs to be addressed. But at the end of the day, what was it, 30% possession? And many United fans are starting to squawk. I don't think that's sustainable for the long run. So Den Haag's still got a lot of work to do, but this is a great result for the Red Devils. Have you, have you got a message for those for those Red Devils fans out there? Yeah, you're still Liverpool in the 90s. You've still got another <laughs> decade to go. For <laughs> I can see uh, my producer and then Navid, he's got his arms up in the air going, yeah, you, you tell them, Jacob, you tell them, Jacob. Um, so you said that you expected the result wasn't too much of a surprise this morning. Is that even so, considering how poor Manchester United have been to start this campaign? I think if you look at United, it was a real backs-to-the-wall performance. They were coming off the back of a 4-0 drubbing by Brighton, where they got completely snowballed in the first half. They were underwater within 30 minutes against the side that had only just made its way into the Premier League. Even if it's Den Haag's second game in charge, that is not good enough. So they needed a response, and they needed it immediately. And we saw that for 25 minutes. They really took the game to Liverpool, and they cut Liverpool up down that right-hand side. I imagine Alunga had been brought on purely for that reason, to get in between uh, Alexander-Arnold and Van Dijk and to exploit the space on the counter-attack. They were so direct um, at times, particularly in transition, and that really did hurt Liverpool. Uh, but as I said, this is a this is not a sustainable performance from United's perspective, and it's not the United performance that we we saw um, under the likes of the Ferguson. It's not that juggernaut yet, but there are some positive points that they can take away. But they'll love the result, and the result's the only thing at the end of the day until uh, we play a game next weekend and everyone kind of starts to move on. If I had told you three weeks ago before the season started that Arsenal would be top of the table. Uh, Leeds United, uh, Brighton, Brentford would all be in that top half and 
uh, Liverpool, Leicester City, West Ham, Man United will be in the bottom half. What would you have said? <laughs> yeah, let's look at that top three. Arsenal, Man City and Leeds United. So a team that was getting lambasted last year for underperforming uh, after chopping and changing managers for the better part of a decade. A team that had only recently returned to the Premier League and stayed there by the skin of its teeth. And then Man City, a team that you'd expect to be there. But absent Liverpool, absent Man United, absent Chelsea, uh, and even Leicester City, as you said. So, yeah, it's a tough one to kind of understand. I do think, though, that Arsenal will be the surprise package of this Premier League season. Whether or not they'll be able to maintain it for the major part of the season is yet to be seen, but the balance really is there in this Arsenal side, um, particularly with the maturing Martinelli. And then Jesus has... He's probably the missing piece to what Arteta was looking to do last year. So much more dynamicism, so much more work rate, so much more efficiency in possession um, up front for Arsenal than they had with Aubameyang um, or Pepe uh, or Lacazette last season. I know Arsenal, people are saying, well, you just look at the, the teams they've beaten and people they've had a pretty fairly easy run. Uh, and I think they've got a couple more winnable, winnable games coming up. But would you say... I think is it in a couple of weeks they play Manchester United. I guess could you really say that? Could you really put them in that conversation for the top four once they've had a, a test against a team that you'd expect to be competing and that for that top six? Well, I think just to contrast your point there with the performance of Liverpool. So Liverpool played Crystal Palace and Fulham and Man United. And if you'd asked any Liverpool fans at the start of the season if they expected to how many points they'd expect to get from those three games you'd be looking at seven or nine points from Liverpool fans and that's a reflection on how poor Man United have been over the last couple of seasons but they've only ended up with two points so Arsenal has converted what they've had in front of them you can only play what's um, what you can play and Arsenal have controlled the games in which they've been expected to win so that's a kind of return to form for Arsenal I still think, though, Ben, that we're in the first two months of the season and there's always surprise packages in the Premier League. You've got your Sheffield United um, that go through and surprise everybody. And we need to wait for around seven to ten games to really get a sense of what uh, or where teams will be. We'll get a sense of where teams are under the pressure. They haven't got their recruitment quite right over the course of the off-season. You'll get a sense of the team that's going to box on and punch above its weight. And then you'll get a sense of what I really think will happen is who potentially will run away with it and make it a top two or a top three and that run into Christmas. Yeah, and that's why I get you on to be the expert, mate, because you see things a lot a lot better than me and you explain them much more better. So I give you kudos for that. But I guess uh, I guess part of it as well is that I guess those kind of games that Arsenal had to start off the season, I guess the other kind of results that maybe last year they probably would have got a draw in or even had a loss, but now they're, I guess they're converting those into the wins, which is what you kind of need to do to be competing for that top four. Exactly, and you do really build the castle, the foundations of the castle needs in this first part. Liverpool are playing catch-up, and it's crazy to say even after three games, but two points from nine is nowhere near good enough, and it's nowhere near the form that we've seen them start seasons with, particularly when they've set themselves up for a a head-on collision with Man City in the run into lifting that Premier League trophy. But Arsenal, if we just look at it, 2-0 against Crystal Palace, 4-2 against Leicester City, and 3-0 against Bournemouth. Not only 
is that attacking football where you're looking at more than two goals per game in the first three games for Arsenal. So that attacking front foot, exciting football they would expect from someone who's developed himself under Guardiola. And Arteta really does have this team humming in the early stages. You've also got a really solid defensive foundation. I think it's that balance that we're seeing from Arsenal, albeit one that hasn't been tested yet, which is really exciting. For me, they've also unearthed a real talent at the back um, in the likes of Saliba. I think he's looking sound. He's probably that defensive piece that they didn't have last year. So we've already talked about Jesus up front and perhaps being that finishing piece, that foundational piece for other players to play off and also to provide cutting edge himself. Saliba is the player that provides the metal, and he's also really comfortable on the ball. With, he's kind of like that Arsene Wegner-style centre-back where he is very well-rounded and comfortable playing out on his goal line, taking the ball towards that defensive press and beyond it at times. Um, so for me, he's one of those ones that you probably want to keep your eye on as uh, someone that could be a foundational piece for this Arsenal team. What about a couple of teams near the bottom of the table? Well, actually at the bottom, West Ham and Leicester, both no wins, uh, both struggling. Is it panic stations already? Or is it kind of like we were saying before, it's only early in the season, just remain calm, everyone? I, I think West Ham, it's probably a case of remain calm, see when they come out, see when they come out of this. And I say that because David Moyes is a settled, steady pair of hands, they probably overachieved last year, and it'll be a case of perhaps tempering expectations for the season. However, Leicester City, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on Brendan Rodgers. Not only do we see them kind of splutter towards the finish line last year, we're used to seeing them kind of taking points off the top four, maybe getting that top six. They didn't get near there last year. And when you lose the likes of Schmeichel right before the season, and he's been your captain over the course of the last two years, you've got to start asking questions about what that change room's like. And we have seen from Brendan Rodgers at times a tendency to overcomplicate things, maybe not to get the right man management in certain situations. And that is something that could really affect the performance of the team. So not only have you lost your captain in Schmeichel, but also there's it's indicative of issues within the change room and potentially not having the right dynamic for this season. So I think he's one of the interesting ones to see uh, in terms of what kind of pressure he will have on him because we're not just talking about the start of the season, we're talking about what happened last year and potentially how long he'll stay in the, in the role. What kind of leash has he got from the Leicester management? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Of course, there's a couple of players here as well that have been linked to moves overseas, or not overseas, to other clubs and they haven't played because it's been quite a bit of a distraction. And they got Chelsea up uh, this weekend, Leicester. So you'd probably, I guess if you're a betting man, you'd probably say that bad start to the season is going to continue. Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I, I get it. If you look at Chelsea's record here, it's four points from three games. Again, another side that you'd expect to be up in that top four. And I just wonder, with the new ownership in charge, the new American-based um, bank account that is overseeing the management and hopefully the elevation of Chelsea back into a side that's challenging for the title. I'm not sure Tuchel's whining and whinging is going to go down particularly well. He is someone that, under pressure, does start to get a little bit of niggle about him. It starts to become everyone else's fault. 
and I'm not sure that'll inspire the ownership. So if there was to be someone else that potentially is looking to stamp their authority on their new clubs, put their fingerprints on something to really define the project that they want to see implemented in the Premier League, um, I'd suggest that Thomas Tuchel potentially is under a little bit of pressure. He's probably got a bit of a shadow over him with that new ownership. And if he doesn't get the results early on, I don't think he'll be changed, but I think he'll be you'll start to see a movement away from him throughout the course of the season. Um, but he's got a lot of resource available to him, and that'll be something that's going to be very intimidating towards for Leicester City. Another struggling team is uh, Everton, and Frank Lampard, of course, is the manager <laughs> manager there at the moment. And there's been lots of, I guess, talk around the future of Dali Alley there. You know, what do you make of all that? Yeah, I think Mourinho probably summed it up in that now viral um, moment where, what was it, the Amazon series inside Tottenham, I think is, is what it was. Ben, you could probably help me out with what, what that is, um, if I can tap dance for a little bit longer. But it effectively is Jose Mourinho sitting Ali Deli down and, and when he got the Tottenham job and saying, time passes you by very quickly. I'm 56 today, but I used to be, like yesterday I was 20. And I don't want you to miss any opportunities. And you just get the sense that that's now starting to play out as Dele Alley looks at options away from Everton. And you're talking about the Turkish Super League, which really is a bit of a retirement ground for the likes of players that have played in top leagues like Germany, like Serie A, and like the Premier League. So if that's an indication as to who's interested in Dele Alley away from Everton and the fact that he doesn't want to stay at Everton and fight for his role under Frank Lampard and they're willing to let him go, that really is a sign that he could, his star could start to wane if it hasn't already started. Uh, Jacob Spoonley is my guest here on SNZ Extra Time. And Jacob, before I let you go, Liverpool face Bournemouth this weekend. Were they going to get that first win of the season? I hope so, but the template isn't really playing out for Liverpool. If you look at Crystal Palace, if you look at Fulham, they're both sides that you probably put into the conversation along with Bournemouth about teams that Liverpool should beat. Um, I would expect that the the checkbook's going to come out. There's going to be some sort of signing in the midfield that'll hopefully start to spark, start to really get this Liverpool team jolted and going forward in the right direction. I don't think Klopp's going to stand for any nonsense. And the players, although they've done well in the last couple of seasons, if you're not performing, he wants a team that's in the conversation at the right end of the season. And I think he'll get that one way or the other. Um, I love when James Milner started getting his finger out this morning and saying this isn't good enough, particularly to Van Dyke, who really has been a talisman for this Liverpool team. So expect a reaction. I, I said Bournemouth might uh, be the team that could be in the banana skin, but if I'm looking at it and I'm looking at who I don't want to be facing just after they had probably the most disappointing 90 minutes in a couple of seasons, it would be Liverpool. Jacob Spoonley, thank you very much for your time tonight and talking uh, English Premier League here with your uh, one of your favourite people here at SCNZ. <laughs> yeah. More so than Ricardo Ball, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, mate. That's Jacob Spoonley there talking all things English Premier League. We're 11 minutes away from nine here on SCNZ.